Welcome to CPP Chat, the most visual podcast for C++ developers by C++ developers. Before we continue, I'd like my fellow host, John, to read this week's disclaimer. Thank you, Phil. A large part of this episode features comments from makers of power tools that can seriously harm you. In fact, if you read the product manuals, you may never plug one in and use it because they warn you on every page that it can be the, that it can, at the least, cut off a body part and, at the worst, kill you. This is the section where we are going to tell you the same thing. Power tools are dangerous, and there is a risk every time you plug one in. If you follow any of the advice, tutorials, or inspiration, or inspiration contained in this episode and are injured, we cannot be held responsible or, most importantly, legally liable. Thank you, everyone. Um, so we have two first-time guests on this week. Um, Anna Kozakova is Product Marketing Manager for All Things C++ at JetBrains. So, Anastasia, what are all the C++ projects at uh, JetBrains? So, currently, it's free tools, C-Line, uh, ReSharper, C++, and AppCode. So, C-Line is a standalone tool, ReSharper as an extension to Visual Studio, and AppCode for iOS developers. Okay. So, um, so you covered iOS, Visual Studio separately, and then there's a general standalone, anybody can use it for C-Line. Yeah, it's targeted on cross-platform projects. So if you do something cross-platform, that's a good choice for you. If you're like more about Windows environment, then just install ReSharper on top of Visual Studio. Or if you do some like iOS or macOS projects and you would like to some like complementary uh, thing to your Xcode, then AppCode is a good tool for you. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, also is uh, Dmitry Koz. Kozemenikov. I should have pra- I should have practiced that first. I'm, I apologize, Dimitri. Uh, so Dimitri is a software engineer at JetBrains. Wait a minute. Phil is developer advocate at JetBrains. Anastasia is product marketing manager at JetBrains. Dimitri is also at JetBrains. Dimitri, are you guys ganging up on me? Yes, I'm, I think you're locked locked in here with us <laughs> for now. Yeah, so I'm uh, I work on CLN and uh, I'm doing some C C plus plus specific stuff in CLN uh, like uh, the language support and so on. And I'm also responsible for having too much work at once. Fun <laughs> <laughs> wheel. Yeah. John, are you looking for a new job? We have a couple of offers. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, mention them on the podcast. There might be somebody interested. Uh, we actually have a couple for C++ developers. So yes? everyone is welcome. Yeah, we have an open offer for C++ developer to resharper C++. And we are open to quality engineers for C++ tooling. So just ping us. We have lots of goodies, <laughs> including presume, cookies. I presume yeah. they'll be located in St. Petersburg or Munich. Is that right? Uh, yeah, mostly St. Petersburg and Munich. We can consider remote as well, but that, like, it depends on you. He has to be the right person, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you guys just just had uh, a release. Was it this? Uh, well, last today's Monday. Last week. You just had a release last week? Yeah, I remember update? some release party last week, so probably yeah. that was it. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the party, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> The party was good enough, so probably there was a release before that. <laughs> so what was the release about? Yeah, so we actually released C-Line 18.2. That's the second major release this year. 
And actually, that's a big answer to a big question, like when, for example, the D is coming to C-Line. It is there. Yeah. So thank you, Dmitry, for doing that. And so actually, that's the person behind that. Uh, so we have D language uh, engine. That is a complementary language engine to our main one. And we have, uh, like, more project models. So we have okay, Gradle C++. Wait, wait, wait a What's, what is Clang D? Tell me what this is. Clang D is actually, uh, like, language protocol for a Clang. So if, like, nowadays many people are doing, like, their IDEs on top of Clang. And, of course, we try that. Of course, we, we have to try that. Like, mm-hmm. we, we are maintaining two different language engines in ReSharper C++ and in C line. There are two different solutions. And after some time, we came to a point when we understand that we have to try something else. We have to check if something else is possible. So we have got try Clank. We tried it with Clank D. Dmitry can like provide more technical details for everyone on this. And so it works. Right now, it works only for showing the errors and warnings in the editor. But we hope to do more on top of Clank D. It will require more efforts and investigation for sure. So I can promise, like that, we'll like move to it completely. Right now, it's in the experimental mode right now. So like a completely fresh language engine. So it's turned off right now on Windows because of some memory issues. But it's on on Linux and macOS, and we've already got, I could say, a few good feedback on this from our like early users so yeah dimitri probably can tell more on the technical side right so i know that this is a question that came up a lot when when c-line was, was, <laughs> was first came out is why aren't you guys using clang and i think it's what as engineers we would immediately say well here's this open source engine that's tracking the standard very closely why would you use that but your answer was actually kind of an interesting one which is that you know Clang's job is to generate code, but 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 an IDE has a separate task. An IDE has to understand code even w- that will not compile. You have, yeah, to, you that, have to figure that, that's out true. how do you. Like, we did a big job in this release. I mean, like, we didn't just took Clang D as it is and put it to C line. That doesn't work. And so that's what we were talking about. That so uh, there are also some like historical reasons because we have a platform which actually expects some kind of a parser from us, and the Clang doesn't fit in its like regular state. So we have to tune it. So we tried. Like that was kind of experiment. We were not sure if we managed to do that for this release. So, but we actually managed to do so. So we have to tune it. So we have to implement a lot of things on top. We will contribute some of them back to Clank, probably. So it's just in process. It's currently some kind of an experimental solution. So just give us some time to polish everything. But I guess at least for showing the errors and warnings, it works for us. We'll see if we could implement more on top of the Clank architecture. So we still can't say that it it's perfect for everything the IDE actually is doing because it has lots of goodies like refactorings that requires some knowledge about the whole project and the Clank is like not about it right now. But it's interesting like piece of good architecture and interesting piece of compiler that probably could work for IDEs. And we are, of course, experimenting without it, so we can't stay apart from it because everyone is trying it. So if we stay apart from it, that means there we are somewhere somewhere behind. It's good for supporting new features because it doesn't require any job from us. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see if it works for the IDE purpose, because indeed, Clang is more about compiling this stuff. It's a little bit different in terms of what the IDE needs, like to deal with the well, unfinished code or uncompiled code, as you said. Well, maybe this, maybe this question is for Dimitri. Are you actually um, taking LLVM and, and, and create some kind of output from LLVM that, that works for what uh, C-Lion expects? Is that, how the, is that how you're doing it? No, it's actually not quite that because uh, with Clank and with uh, the way uh, IDEs work with Clank, it's all about the AST and not about the uh, lower LVM layers, like not about LVM IR or something like that. So, oh, I see. Uh, so we are managing the Clank uh, AST in memory and <clears throat> uh, and something on the disk of, uh, and. Yeah, so uh, right now we are using the existing code that, that is in Clang D, to, uh, and we have to patch it here and there to fit our that, needs. Because is, is that what Clang Lib is? Is a way of, of querying the AST? Uh, like LibClang is a LibClang uh, yeah. uh, Lib is a kind of old C API to Clang AST, and uh, the good thing about it is very stable, and you can. Like link with user code with it, but it's not our top top priority. And since we control both sides, it's more natural for us to use the underlying C++ API for uh, for Clang AST. So we're using that. It's uh, a lot less stable. It's a lot, in a sense, it's involved. Uh, it is evolving, and we are, we have to merge it like very often, uh, but. Uh, like we think it's the future to use the C++ API, API. yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I can I can imagine trying to uh, trying to trying to create an IDE, and you guys are always trying to add new stuff to the IDE, making the refactorings, all these kinds of stuff, and also tracking the language because tracking the language is just you know, the standards committee is doing everything they can to make your job as hard as possible. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, I, I remember Louis Dion, who was amazed when I, like, at my talk at ACCU, I told tell the audience that we're actually maintaining our own language engine. And he said, like, wow, really? <laughs> How could you? <laughs> yeah, so that's a tricky thing. And honestly, yes. that's, that's a really big job. Um, and it's taken a few years just to get to sort of the, the point where even C++11 is, is really satisfactorily covered. But, but now we're there. Uh, tracking newer language features is is more incremental, so uh, that should I think track a bit more readily. Yeah, so well, the, the one of the ultimate goals of the of this all Clang stuff is to uh, allow us to do some uh, cool end user features and not uh, race against the committee for the new features. Uh, but uh, actually, we will see if it uh, if it pays off or not because. Like, Right now, uh, you can do most of the things uh, with a single file you have opened in the editor with Clank. It's more or less solved problem. It's just uh, uh, just manpower and a quality of implementation to to support it properly. But for the whole project, like for things like find usages and code modifications across several tr- several translation units and so on, uh, it's actually not so clear right now if it's possible to achieve what we are wanting and what we are aiming for or not. I hope it's possible, but we need to experiment with it a bit more. Well, yeah, it's it's a mind-boggling challenge. But I do remember the same situation with 
uh, Clang very very impatiently waiting for Clang to be able to actually be a useful C++ tool. You know, I was a Mac developer, so I understood that Clang was coming along and it, you could use C with it, but it's so hard to get from C to C++. But then once they got there and 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 started to support, I mean, they kind of went directly to C++11 because that's just about what its time frame was. And so um, there really wasn't very much time when it didn't support 11 and was a full C++ compiler. It kind of um, that's about when it when it became useful, and and since then it has tracked. So I understand what Phil's saying. You know, it's so hard to get there, but once you get there, it's not impossible to track the changes. It's just hard to, for me to keep track of them. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sometimes it's hard to to push the team as well because you know, here in JetBrains, we're kind of keen on implementing parsers in our own, and when we're saying to the people like we're taking like Clank as a parser, they're like, oh, you can't do anything on it, just throw it away we can do better and so just to really make a proof of concept to push people to do that to push people to implement a better engine on top of clang it's kind of a tricky job but like seems like we are getting there and of course we um we, we had uh, timo on last week also from the sea lane team it's not a conspiracy i promise you but um <laughs> he, he, he told the story about how he he actually uh, raised a defect report back to the to the standard on c plus plus 17 because of what he saw from the implementation side. So it's working both ways now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I know that, um, I know the committee relies heavily on implementers, maybe more on implementers than they do on, on end users, which is a little, a little sad in a sense, but the implementers see the problems early on because they, they have to see every corner of the language as they're implementing. Users don't quite get to the corners until they play with it a little bit. Well, some users find those quick. I'm sure Louis is, is pushing the corners of <laughs> <laughs> uh, just about everything pretty quickly. Um, but most users, you know, we don't we don't run into those kinds of issues right away. But the implementers, of course, have to think about well, you know, what 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 is this case? What do we do when this happens this way? And I think that's what um, what uh, Timor was talking about last week. Is he's he's considering all these cases and and. You, the code has to do something, and it's not always clear what the right thing is. And I think sometimes the committee knows the answer, but in some cases, the committee itself just hadn't thought about well, what is that case. Um, give the committee a lot of credit for thinking about a lot of cases, but nobody's going to catch them all. And um, so uh, it, it's it's not a perfect process. Was that C++ or Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's uh, there's a couple things that we uh, that we didn't didn't talk about in our news that we should have. Um, one of them is well, one of them is entirely me playing hooky because I am supposed to be just right now. I'm supposed to be working on the schedule uh, for CPPCon, and in fact, the schedule is done. I have the schedule. Please don't send me email saying when am I scheduled. Um, what I haven't got it pushed out to to uh, sked.com yet, and that's um, that's not an impossible task, but it takes a little bit of time. And so, I'm very much hoping that we will have an announcement. I hope within 24 hours. That's a little optimistic, but um, I'm very close. Uh, we just need to get um, we need to get the schedule up, 
And uh, it's going to be an exciting schedule this year. There's a lot of really interesting and really good stuff on it. Um, going to be really proud to get it up, but it's not up yet. The other thing that has happened, and this has just kind of happened very quickly, um, there is a, um, a GoFundMe that has been started by the Include C++ group. Um, they're trying to raise money so that they can give um, so that they can give tickets to an organization called oh does it say what the name of that is um, a, a Women in Tech Fund. So the Women in Tech Fund is set up to allow uh, tickets to be distributed to women who would like to go to a conference and otherwise can't. Uh, and so they're raising money so that CPPCon tickets can go to Women in Tech so that Women in Tech can distribute these to women. And they have now raised um, <laughs> close to $3,000. They have $2,700 that they have raised and that's going to be, well, it's, it's, their, their goal was $1,250. And $1,250 would have been five tickets. So they have uh, more than doubled their goal. So I think the plan is not to just buy more tickets, but to actually try to help with um, some travel expenses and such as that. But if we can put the link in the show notes for people who are interested in donating, um, at this point, I'm not sure how your money would be spent uh, because, as I said, I I don't think they're going to try to get more tickets. I think what they're going to try to do is help uh, help with lodging and travel costs and things like that. Um, but that's uh, but that's up to the C++, uh, include C++ organization, what they're going to do. But anyway, I was very excited about that because I don't think they've even officially announced this yet, and they've already exceeded their goal. I think they were planning to officially announce it on Tuesday, but word leaked out, and they had so many donors that um, that they've exceeded their goal. But I'm very excited about that. And that was just in, what, two days, was it? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think that I think that uh, I know the GoFundMe was just started this weekend. I think it may have just been started either yesterday or late Saturday. Um, and yeah, and so it's just I, I'm just really feel all good all over <laughs> about uh, the kind of support that we've shown there. I mean, we as a community have shown, and so that's great. That's really great. So while we're doing news, we usually do the roundup of conferences. Yeah. That's obviously CPPCon tickets, I presume, are still open. As are Pacific++, meeting C++. C++ on C, tickets should be going live quite soon. I'm in the process of getting that set up at the moment. And the the call for speakers closes tomorrow uh, in BST, British Summertime, end of the day. So if you are looking to, to want to speak at C++ on C, your last chance if you're watching this live... If you listen to the podcast, you're probably too late. Uh, but speak to me anyway. Uh, and also, uh, ADC, Audio Developers Conference, we talked about last week. Uh, I believe tickets are, are selling for that as well. Okay. Um, and then we also have one other piece of information, which we don't normally have because we're more organized than we normally are. Not to say that we're normally disorganized. <laughs> but we actually have the upcoming show, um, and it's going to be this Thursday... That's 8 p.m. UTC, and in my time on, in California, I guess that's 1 p.m. 1 p.m. on Thursday, right? Yeah, that sounds right. And, and it's going to be, we're calling it the security show. We're going to have um, Eva Conti, uh, Matthew Butler, and Troy Hunt, 
uh, talking about security. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, Troy is actually very well known, but outside of our normal communities. So uh, I think it'll be bringing a bit of his own following as well. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. It will be. Great, great, great. All right. So that's what we have coming up. And um, are we going to tease them about the show after that? We may even have a show lined up after that. We think we've we'll actually wait. got the next one locked in as well. well it's going to be next week on the, such, did we say the 8th? Such foresight. Maybe yes. we'll leave it to, to the next show to announce who's going to be okay. on that one. Okay. Just so we don't give too much away at once. That's right. All right. Um, can we talk about, um, Anastasia, what can you tell us about the future of, of Sea Lion? What should, uh, or... or Sharper or uh, I'm sorry, what is it called? App Code. App Code. App Code. App code. <laughs> right. Um, so what's coming? What's coming down the pike here? What can we see? Um, yeah, I'll tell you. But before that, I will jump with a little teasing with a little ad. Actually, it's live now, so I can. I'm allowed to tell that that for the next 50 hours, all our tools are 50% off. The whole JetBrains toolbox for personal use. So all the tools, including C-Line, ReSharper, C++, AppCode, or if you'd like to get all products pack that covers all desktop tools, are 50% off for 50 hours. So And that's for the Friendship Day special offer. So just everything isn't, like, announced on the website, so you can just, like, pause the CPP chat for a while, <laughs> go and buy your license, and then come back. And before, like, while you're doing that, I will, yeah, talk about the future of our tools for a while. So let's start with this. What is Friendship Day? Sorry? What is Friendship Day? Is that what you said? Friendship Day? Friendship Day. Day. It's actually today. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it is. Yes, 30 of July. So Friendship Day. So uh, just don't mind. We just found a good reason <laughs> for the promo. <laughs> Um, yeah, so all you have to remember is that it's 50% off for 50, 50 hours. So quite a short period of time for you to grab like a discounted license. Um, yeah, so talking about the tools, C-Line. So actually, we talked about the language engine. So that's one of our major direction for the future. Another one is the project models. We like we were stuck with CMake for quite a long time. So CMake is great, but we know that there are many projects that are not on CMake. So we started working on decoupling uh, CMake from C-Line. Uh, we actually released, like, Rust plugin for C-Line is released with Cargo support from, I guess, it was in March. So it is already supported. But for C++, for a long time, we were tied into CMake only. You can open the folder or, like, a single file in C-Line, but you will get a limited code inside. So starting with this release, we added Gradle for C++, the only the new plugins format, but still, and also the compilation database format, which is actually great because you can generate it from many known project models or you can even like generate it from your custom project model just with the tools like Bear, just that listens to your compiler call, uh, calls and just generates all the necessary information. Uh, there are still some limitations, like you can't uh, run your code or compile it because the compilation database, despite of its names, it actually lacks this information about compiling and linking the whole project. It only uh, actually gets the information about the compiling single file. Uh, but still, you can open the project from the compilation database right now, and the full code inside, all the refactorings, all the code analysis will be available. And that's one of the major direction uh, for the future for C-Line. So we're going to have the public API so that 
like everyone could actually implement their plugin for their own like project model in CLine. And we can get a help of community for implementing the plugins for project models that are still not available in CLine. So that's uh, the major thing now, and we hope to proceed with it. And the third point for CLine is remote development. So that's where we're going. We were planning to, like, our plan was to announce something in 18.2. The task is in project, but it's not yet there. So we postponed it to 18.3 probably. And I hope we'll get some remote development features available in, like, next version of C-Line. So that's talking about our plans for C-Line. We shall proceed with plans. So what what are remote development features? What does that mean? Uh, So that means that, like, Guess you have an ID on your machine, local machine, but you have your code on a remote machine, or you have your code on a local machine, but you build and run on your remote machine. That's actually a typical configuration, I guess, for yeah. like yeah, for many, sure. many people. So uh, right now you can only sync to a local machine and build and run everything locally, but there could be cases probably you don't want to build your whole project on your local machine or probably you don't have the full environment on your local machine and you have to get something uh, from from a remote machine. And so to deal with such cases, Line can't do anything right now, uh, but we hope it will in the nearest future. So uh, the first case will be just to, uh, to have your sources locally and to build and run on remote machine, I guess. So but we're going to cover more remote cases in the future, and I hope that will be a winning strategy for C-Line. Uh, I, right now, I guess NetBeans is doing quite a good job in terms of remote development features. They have a lot of things in this area. I'm not sure everyone like else in the area can do some great stuff as good as NetBeans is doing for remote. But we hope to do a good job, and we hope to cover all the cases in C-Line. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We we actually did a proof of concept. We added the VSL support. If you've heard about it, it's Windows subsystem for Linux, which we work from CLine through the SSH. So it doesn't work for it for, for the Windows API, but for the SSH, that means we just did the proof of concept, just removing, you know, dealing with the file system from from that task for, for a while. So it worked. We released that. And so on top of that, we're building our remote solution, like working through the SSH, dealing with the file system differences and all this like synchronization stuff, which is kind of complicated, but a very interesting task. So, yeah, we hope to do that and we hope to have it. I like my hope as a PMM for 18.3, but like, who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to try to hold you to that, but I, but I'm. I'm fascinated by this. This was uh, this was the situation that I had when I was uh, working at Amazon, which is that I was doing all my editing on my local machine using a text editor. I couldn't really use an IDE because because my files were not local files. I, I mean, yeah, I would, exactly, exactly. I would SSH in because because the editor I used supported SSH SSH very nicely, it, and so that was that all worked very well. But it was just a text editor. It was not a it was not an IDE. It didn't know anything about uh, C++. Well, actually, it does know a little bit about C++, but it, it certainly didn't understand C++. And, and it would have been so nice if I could have had something like this uh, when I was there. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's can, very exciting to me. Yeah, that's actually great. You can do many things right now manually in C-Line. I mean, you can copy the files. You can go to your remote machine from the building terminal, you know, compile there, mm-hmm. just then do some remote uh, GDB server debug, which is available for a while in C-Line. But still, it's not the whole solution. 
which just works for you when you have a remote project. And that's our main goal, just to deal with the remote projects as a whole solution, just trying to help you with many, many tasks, which you can actually do manually and, like, you know, all these connection stuff. But you'd better don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, if, if the tool understands those things, that's just so much better. So I cut you off, and I got hung up on this uh, remote thing. You were going to tell us about, uh, I think you were moving on then to what you've been doing for ReSharper. Is that where Yeah, so uh, talking about other tools, so uh, like AppCode shortly uh, actually just gets the same C++ support at C-Line, so it's not many things to talk here about. So uh, right now our job is to uh, make AppCode uh, work with ClangD, which is not yet available in the AppCode. So AppCode will be released without the ClangD support for C++ right now. But we hope to do that. Maybe in the next release, we'll see how it goes. We're not sure right now about the technical solution. And ReSharper C++, uh, it actually evolves a lot. And I guess this release, so 18.2 will be coming uh, somewhere in the end of August, so it's not yet released. But the major feature is already there in the Earl Access program, which is the support for C++ CLI, which is a bridge between like C Sharp world and C++ world. So if you have a project which actually joins two, you're probably using the CLI. And the CLI was not supported for quite a long time in ReSharper, and it's a top-voted request, and we finally get it there. So still with some limitations, Phil actually presented a nice blog post uh, in ReSharper C++ blog, so you can actually go through it and you can see what are the limitations. So, And we're really looking for users' feedback. So if you are working with this kind of a mixed project, just try the ReSharper C++ CLI support, see how it works, how all the smartness works for you, and report the feedback back to us, because currently we are kind of lacking it, and it's better, you know, to get the feedback before the release from the public uh, Alexis preview build than after the release. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, kind of a major direction for ReSharper C++. The guys also implemented lots of uh, nice additions for C++ 17, so, like, small fixes here and there for some modern C++ features, and we're going to proceed with that. And so I guess that's it for ReSharper C++. So, Phil, I do not, I'm not a, a Windows guy. Tell me what the heck this uh, CLI stuff is. So, uh, we've got the C Sharp running on .NET on Windows. Uh, and, of course, other platforms now, but thinking about Windows in particular. Um, .NET is what we call a CLI language. A common language, I forget what the I stands for now. Um, Probably interface. Uh, <laughs> but... To interoperate between C Sharp and C++, there was this. Uh, there was actually originally a language called Managed C++ invented. That was a really horrible uh, hybrid between the two, <laughs> um, and yeah, it just about worked. I had to work with that, uh, but you know, no one would use that for you know their, their main language. It's just an interop language. That was replaced by um, C++ CLI. I believe it was actually uh, a Herb Sutter project to do that. It was one of his one of the things he did when he first went to. Uh, it took over the C++ group at, um, at Microsoft. So it's a big improvement on managed C++, but it's still not really a language that most people would reach for as a, as a first language. A lot of compromises in it and a lot of weird lifetime issues and things, but uh, it makes a, you know, a good job of, it, of bridging the, the, the managed garbage-connected world of C Sharp and the, uh, the world of C++ that we know. 
Uh, and we, you know, with Herb Sutter behind that, you, you'd expect that to work out quite well. Sorry, you were yeah. going to say? Well, I was just going to say, so, so it was a solution for a situation where you had a team of C++ people and a team of uh, C-sharp people, both of which had useful libraries that you needed to make work together. So that's what you did. Yeah, or, or if you, you just have C++ people, but they want to call um, C-sharp libraries from a third party, uh, or sometimes it's the same people that they're writing both sides. They're just doing the C++ bits for performance purposes, for example. Mm -hmm. It's what we did a lot of when I, when I was working at the banks. That's where I did a lot of my C++ CLI. Um, now, in the, in the blog post that uh, Anastasia mentioned, uh, I did actually say at one point, uh, as a rule, uh, no one uses C++ CLI as a, as a primary <laughs> language. So, of course, on the Reddit thread, <laughs> a couple of people popped up and said, no, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it does happen. Um, and, you know, there are some advantages to it as a language, but uh, it is it is a little bit weird. Okay. Yeah. And actually, if you take a C++ and you look at it and you think, hmm, C++ doesn't have enough value categories. And so that's how C++ CLA is born. <laughs> yeah. But there's even more ways to shoot yourself in the foot. Okay. We have, have a whole arsenal of foot guns. Is that the idea? <laughs> you know, enough rope to uh, to shoot your leg off. That's right. Okay. That's a that's an important philosophical question, right? How much rope does it take to shoot your leg off? <laughs> and the answer is C plus plus CLI. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, one of the questions that I should ask, and I I I don't know who who of you to ask this of. Uh, I know that you've been you Phil have been doing um, some uh, some committee work. How? Uh, how active is JetBrains on the committee? Are you are you are you the are you sending people in plural or what's going on? Is it just monitoring from the outside? Are you actively pushing papers or what's going on? I think uh, Timo, who's in on last week, is the uh -huh. most active member of the committee. He, he was on the committee uh, before he joined JetBrains, as as he discussed right. last week, um, right. and he's now continuing uh, in the capacity of uh, representing JetBrains. I, I went to my first meeting in uh, Rappersville, mostly as an observer. Uh, so we'll see how that continues. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the moment, it's just uh, the two of us. Um, but possibility that, that others will will go to some meetings. I don't know if we have specific plans yet. Well, there's now a group specifically on tooling, right? That's right. At the moment, that's not really going in a direction that's um, as applicable to us as we would have liked. But it's certainly within the overall remit of that group, yes. Is that because it's focusing more on, on packages than on language things like refactoring? Yeah, for, for now. For now it is, but uh, the, the original mission statement um, was a bit broader. Um, so I think there's, there's still a chance that we'll sort of come back around to something more relevant to us in the future. Uh, and I suppose to some extent it's up to us to, to drive that. Yeah, and actually I, I think I'm planning to go to San Diego and also to observe the mostly the tooling group because I have a lot of ideas how to uh, how to do things better or, or like just ideas why things are not so good now uh, in the C++ tooling but I, I'm not sure how to fit it in the committee world because uh, yeah so uh, my, my plan is to my, my plan is to go to observe and to chat with people and uh, then maybe to start some more active work I think the committee direction. itself is is just figuring out what it can do because this is this is not what the committee normally does, right? It's not language. It's it's packaging, it's tooling, it's it's outside the language. And so I think that 
if you have ideas, I think they're interested in that. They're, tr they're trying to figure this out themselves. Yeah, I think w we talked with Herb about this, uh, like, tooling uh, working group in the committee when it just started. And so he actually invited us uh, to join, I mean, JetBrains, to join this uh, working group. And that was just exactly the time when Timo joined us. So we, we were, like, happily saying that, like, yeah, Timo is joining. Uh, and now, like, Phil is also in, and I hope Dimitri will join later. So... Actually, for us, the main goal is just to take care that the features that are adopted to the language, and here I talk mostly about the work on the language itself, not about the libraries. The features that are adopted to the language are, like, as Herb said, toolable, like, because otherwise it's crucial for us to get them into the tool. And I guess in that, in that case, it's kind of difficult for the community to adopt the features if they are not tillable. And so we, we see our goal as just taking care of that uh, as much as we can, just to make sure that we can do that, not only just in C-Line or in ReSharper or in general. So that's not about our, like, we have our interest for sure, but, like, it's more important for us to understand that we could support this kind of new features in the tooling, in the IDEs. Otherwise, people are staying apart from that because, you know, due to various surveys, people are mostly using, still using C++ 11 and 14. They're not using C++ 17. And here's the big question why. Probably we're not adopting the features to the, like, to the community better. So how can we do that? Maybe we can help from the tools point. I mean, like, make better support, push people, like, the Clank tidy modernize is pushing people to the new tool, but maybe we can push them inside their IDEs they are a big fan of. So, and here I'm talking about the all C++ IDEs on the market. But for that, we need to be sure that the features are toolable because if it takes us, I mean, like 10 years to support a feature in a proper way, it doesn't mean that the feature is toolable at all. <laughs> like, so that's that's how we see our goal, and that's what we hope for for the tooling uh, evolution group and the committee. You're right that right now it doesn't seem it works in that way. It's more about the package managers, which are also important. Like, Conan is doing a great job there, and hopefully they can, like, discuss more in this direction and Microsoft with their package manager as well. But for us, this working group is mostly about talking about the toolability of the new features to, like, to take care about that. So that's the goal. Well, that can certainly be a blind spot. If, if someone is working in the committee... It's not obvious to them necessarily what what mean what is what does it mean to be toolable? You know what I'm saying? And so they can have an interesting idea about a language approach and not realize the implications of that. I think we normally think of that that at least I think about this from a teachability point of view, where people say, "Well, we've got this you know new language thing," and I look at that and say, "And how are you going to explain that to people?" Because if you are not an expert, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it does when you yeah, when you are an expert and you say, "Oh, well, it's because we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this." But to just explain that to someone without going at that level of detail makes it really hard. And so that's a teachability thing. Yeah, but exactly. We, also have we, we are trying too. to do that. Actually, I was trying to do that for two years in a row with my CPPCon talks. I was exactly trying to explain what installability means for us, like talking about the, like, the view on the language from the tooling point of view, how we'll look at the language. Because it seems that... This is different from what the like usual C++ or Go C++ developers see in the language. And seems that it, it works, seems that people start to understand why it works that way, what happens actually in the tool when they, like, I don't know, press the button. So, and they understand why it goes that way or not another way. And so hopefully we can do this job even better. 
Uh, Timor just uh, DM'd me to point out, I missed a part of your original question, John, where you were asking if we're actively pushing papers in the uh, in the committee meetings, and uh, you, you wanted to make sure that we know, yes, we are. Uh, in fact, Timor's been working on, on a few of them himself. So just to address that part, it's not just the toolability aspects. I think there is another important uh... Uh, important area where we can we can improve as a community like we uh, we need to make sure that our playing field is not so fragmented as it is now like it's more unified because it's very important to to the tools because like for example for now uh, a lot of uh, like the IDE should talk to the compiler to find out some things and the build system should should talk to the compiler to find out maybe the same things and there are different compilers and you uh, you usually go great lengths to to like to find out where, whether the size of void is like uh, four or eight in in this specific compiler with this, with this specific set of legs and like things like that and because it's so complicated it's very complicated to support new compilers or new build systems uh, because they can't talk to each other uh, unified enough so that's why IDEs don't work mostly for C++ in some corner cases, because in corner cases there are specific compilers and specific build systems. And like, I think the most important uh, most important thing is to uh, to make the flow flow of information about projects and files and uh, stuff related to C++ building and running more unified and more accessible to uh, to tooling. Yeah. I can I I can provide some more examples later I think. Okay. Um yeah, I and thank you for catching that uh, Phil. I do uh I don't want to I don't want to overlook what's going on as far as uh uh the contributions that you're making. I was just asking kind of where where the company's going, where JetBrains is going with this. And um it's great to see that uh that Timor is is uh, doing doing papers. Um I I am constantly impressed at the level of of effort that's required to just stay up. I mean, just, just looking at all the papers that are published every year, or I should say every year, every meeting uh, before and after meetings, it's, it's just daunting to think that anybody is, is able to keep up with that at all. I agree. <laughs> yeah, as recently joined the committee, <laughs> you know, agree. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, I have... Uh, uh, I have kind of recently. I've I've attended some meetings, but I was always just an observer, and um, and I'm now starting to get some of the mails because of my role with the C plus plus Alliance. The C plus plus Alliance is now uh, also a member of the committee or in, in joining. So I'm starting to see these things and seeing some of the stuff that I never saw before, even as an observer. Uh, and it's just yeah, it's just kind of overwhelming what's going on. <laughs> Um, but I have, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to attend some more meetings and to be able to be a little bit more involved in that as well. And, um, and, and a little daunted by the, um, by the possibilities, but I hope to see you in, in San Diego, Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, as a nice as a nice side effect, we now have a regular blog posts about the trip reports from the committee from Tima, and the field has joined. So, yeah. And it's not just us as well, because uh, Tim was just pointing out to me again, as well as the toolability aspects, some of the proposals that are coming from from our side are about simplifying the language, 
and you pointed out one uh, P1008 about simplified rules for aggregate initialization actually came from one of the very sharp C++ guys and uh, team helped him to uh, to write it up uh, so yeah there's there's the all, all the teams are behind this the kind of unfortunate thing is uh, these kind of proposals that simplify things or make features uh, more toolable actually don't make features more toolable because uh, we are not uh, the existing code that use, uses the features the old way not going anywhere and we can just pretend it doesn't exist and uh, and uh, it would exist like for the next 20 years or something even if people stop writing the old style uh, the code will uh, still has to be parsed and analyzed uh, so these papers about new uh, features or simplified features are kind of nice but it's not about tooling I think Unless it's a simplification of something that's not actually gone into the uh, into the standard yet, or or has recently gone in, like uh, Timo's example from last week with the um, structured bindings, right? Right, where he's where he's pointing out that you can make the rules simpler by just making it more consistent with other with yeah. other other cases in the language where we're doing something similar. Just make it consistent with that. That is something that is a win both for the tooling implementer but also for the user, really. Uh, and certainly a win for people who are trying to understand what the language is doing. If you can just say, "Well, you already know the rules," you know that's what you know that's what the standard does with say um, uh, type type deduction, where it says, "Well, you know, here's how auto works. It's exactly the same as it works for function tuples, except you know the whole we don't deduce initializer list. But other than that, the rules are exactly the same. And and explaining it that way." is, I think, a benefit for the toolers because they say, well, oh, it's like we can probably use the same code. But it's also much easier for humans to understand when you just say, yeah, it works the same way. Yeah, my point is that you can't use the same code. You uh, can use the same code for the new uh, cases and the old yeah. code for the old cases. And it's kind of painful for tooling because uh, you have to support both ways uh, if you really want to m make a reliable tool or reliable like source-to-source -source transformation because the old ugly cases are not going anywhere from users' code bases. So it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, that's true. We have a lot of baggage. There's a lot of history and a lot of lines of code. And, you know, when I'm in training, I often try to get people to think about what's the dollar value of of the C++ code that your company has and then realize your company is just one small drop in a huge ocean of people with C++. And that's why, because students don't always understand. They say, well, why don't we just, you know, change the rules so this this other stuff is, you know, if, it's, if it was a bad way of writing code, why don't we just say you can't do it that way? And, well, you're breaking, you know, trillions of dollars worth of value would just evaporate if you did that you know this is valuable code that people are relying on it may not be as pretty as we'd like but but people rely on it and it's valuable and and if the committee ignores that that's as i say it you know it, it would destroy a lot of a lot of value that we don't want to do and so that's why all that stuff still has to work and as dimitri's pointing out that means all those tools as shiny and new as they are they have to work with this crusty old code because that code is still valuable, you know, as, as much as you don't like it. Uh, you don't want to look at it, but it still has to work, and it still has to work reliably, and it still has to work the way we've always expected it to. Uh, subtle changes in meaning uh, would destroy code, because 
because we're programmers and we take things, you know, it's like, okay, what exactly does this mean? How can I take this right to the edge of what the interpretation of that is? And if we come along later and say, well, you know, here's this other way of looking at it, and the rules are slightly different, you're breaking code. So the, 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 the opportunity for this is only when it's still new, which is, I think, the example that Timo was giving when he's talking about. Uh, yes. Wasn't his example on uh, uh, um, structured bindings? Yeah, that's right. It was about the accessibility. Yeah. I think it was Same. written as it must be public when really what it should have been was accessible. Yeah. Um, so, and also that's, that's kind of a, a removal of a unnecessary restriction. So exactly. that means there's no existing code that's doing the wrong thing because it wouldn't have compiled. Right? So, so we're allowing, yeah. Um, that's, that's always nice. But, and, and it is one of the things that the committee does sometimes do. I mean, if you look at uh, one, of the, one of the questions I have when I introduce lambdas and talk about um, not having to declare the return type of a lambda if it follows the uh, form of return expression. And uh, I sometimes have students ask, well, why does it have to be so restricted? Why can't the compiler just, and it's like, well, okay. That's the next slide in C14. That's that's the way it is. But I'm glad the committee did it that way because it's hard to undo. It's hard to go the other way. It's hard to say, oh, there were some cases we didn't consider, and so that's a problem, right? So I, I don't mind at all the, the 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 committee being a little bit conservative and saying, yeah, we are we're going to leave some things that are not legal right now that could be theoretically legal. We'll figure out if they should be legal later. I'm okay with that. I'm okay when the committee is um, a little conservative. That's a win in the long run. You made the point earlier, which I don't think anyone disagreed with, that we have a lot of baggage that we can't do too much about. But I think the real secret is not creating too much new baggage. If we can minimize that, then, well, yeah. then we're winning. Yeah, yeah. Our team, again, has also pointed out that there are some times that we do break existing code, um, but really only if, if we think that code that did compile before was already broken because of that. Yeah. So it does happen sometimes. Well, when I think about breaking existing code, um, you, we do make the statement that we don't, but, but, the, but in practice, in practice, it's virtually impossible to not. And I think about this when I think about our experience at Amazon where we had code that the, um, the writers of the code had essentially said, uh, using namespace STD and using namespace boost, and then they used shared pointer, because at the time shared pointer was only in boost, and you try to compile that under C++ 11, and suddenly it breaks, and that's the kind of things like, how could you try to, how could you prevent that from breaking, and then if you as you think about it, it's almost impossible to make any change at all to the language. It isn't going to break something, if someone has done. Something like that. Um, it, it was a surprise to me because, like, well, this code isn't that bad. Why would that not run under 11? And it's like I said, oh, it's because we accepted something from Boost. It's now, and we didn't rename it, which would have been a terrible idea, I think. Taking the name the same is great, uh, but it created all this ambiguity in all this code because the, the compiler doesn't know, well, which shared pointer do you want to use? And And, you know, from the from the author's point of view of the code, they really don't care. <laughs> but uh, the compiler says you have to pick. Um, that's the kind of thing where, yeah, we break code all the time, 
without, uh, you know, and that's not necessarily even awful code. It's just, I, I don't know how, I don't know how the committee could have tried to prevent that from happening. As they, except as they said, trying to rename everything that gets imported into the language, into the libraries, which is not, not a good idea. I wouldn't recommend that. So namespaces are full. Right. Well, you know, arguably, th that's one of the things that I I try to do in my code is I don't I don't use namespace, uh, using namespace even in my implementation file. Of course, we've told people don't do that in a header because you're poisoning your you know polluting your your global namespace when you do that sort of thing. But we've always kind of said, well, you can do it in an implementation file, and I shy away from doing it even in an implementation file, and that makes your code a little more resi resilient. But we haven't really told people not to do that. At least I haven't seen people who get on that bandwagon. I, I do it personally, but but I don't. I kind of tell people, oh, it's your implementation file. You can do what you want in there. Uh, just the headers, you can't do that. And uh, but at at Amazon, when we tried to port over all this code to C plus plus eleven, that was the that was the single biggest issue we had to deal with. Fortunately, it's not that hard to fix. But but. That's not the goal, is to say, oh, it's not that hard to go back and change your, you know, <laughs> 10 million lines of code that you're trying to port over. That's not really the goal. The goal is you don't have to do anything at all, and it just magically works. That's the goal. And, uh, and that's a hard goal. It's a hard goal to bring that forward. I've seen a similar workaround in some open source project that wanted to use a stat shared pointer, but uh, on platforms where it's not available, it, in some header called common.h it opens the namespace stat and then uh, there is using boost shared pointer and it closes it and it pretends that you have a shared pointer inside it uh, so these kind of things are also not so great for tooling yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, uh, so, don't mind so much when it breaks at compile time uh, it's when it breaks at runtime, uh, particularly in very subtle ways I actually did come across a problem like that when moving from um, I think it was Boost Mutex or one of the locks to, to the standard version. And something that was spelt the same way had different semantics that weren't obvious on the first run even. So you got some subtle threading issues just by changing which implementation you're using. Uh, that, was, that was quite tricky to unpick. Yeah, this is, this is I think, one of the things that, that uh, Boost library authors are faced with. If, if their library is standardized and the standard makes any changes to it in, in, in the process of standardizing, saying, well, this is the way we think it should work. Then the author has to figure out, well, do I want to accept that change just to be compatible with the standard, even if the author says, well, you've kind of removed one of my features. There are certain features uh, in Boost in the originals. If you look in the originals, there's certain features that go away because the, the standard says, standard committee had said, well, don't need that feature. So you take that out. Well, then the Boost author is in a situation when what do I do there? Uh, but that's not our problem. That's that's the booth officer problem. But it but it does it does come from the fact that um, that the that the committee is uh, making a a library of something and using the same names, and so it's it's you can see that users, as you said, Phil, can get in a situation and say, well, it, it's mutex, right? It should be the same thing, and should have the same semantics, and ideally it should, but may not. <laughs> What a depressing thought to end on. Uh, <laughs> we are kind of running out of time, and I, I have to go. I have uh, 
um, not only do I have a schedule to work on, I have a schedule to keep because I have to meet somebody. Well, I'm glad to see that the uh, the JetBrains uh, network has held up during the, the the promotion. We did have a little bit of dropout. Yeah, last time we did it in 2011, I guess everything just failed. Like we had a huge drop on the network and everything. So looks like now everything is working. So you still can get the promotion and the discounted uh, license. So. But as soon but as the show only... finishes, everyone should go and hit the servers. That's yeah, the time to do it. What I, what I was going to say is this is only going to help for people who are listening live, right? Because I don't think yeah. we can get the uh, the podcast out within 50 hours, can we? It's possible. Now I've, uh, I'm clearing down the backlog, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> <Do my best. laughs> All right. Well, um, I do want to, uh, to ask anybody if there's something we want to say before we wish everybody a uh, safe coding. Obviously, we've got the promotion at... Um, uh, at JetBrains, um, all the different uh, all the different products, everything is on sale. I think I have a, a minor thing to to tell. Yeah. Uh, like these problems that we've just discussed about, like uh, name shadowing and so on and so on, these shouldn't happen in modern modern languages with modern tuning. But these are happening in C plus plus. So if some of you encountered such a problem and you see a problem and you think that it shouldn't happen. It sh- there should be a way to prevent it. You can, for example, tweet to us so we are aware, aware of it and we can think about how we can, we, can we mitigate it from the side of the tooling or from the side of IDE. These uh, like study cases about problems are very important to us and we, uh, we are not getting them often enough like from users' feedback. We're getting so, bugs much more often. Uh, how would you tweet that? Just uh, hash C lion? Uh, C lion uh, ID. So that's actually me behind that. <laughs> or you can just ping me uh, in Twitter, like Anastasia K2512. So I think many people in the community just knows how to reach to us on Twitter. So you can do there. You can use the tracker. You can use the support email. Any channel will finally come to the development team. So we're very close to every input from, from our users. So just find any way and just ping us. You can even ping the general JetBrains Twitter. It will redirect to C-Line team. So that's maybe the easiest way for those who don't know how to get to us. And you can also reach your friendly developer advocate. Yes, you can ping Phil, meet him. <laughs> Phil underscore Nash on Twitter. Feel squared most other places. Yeah, and we'll definitely be at CppCon. So uh, actually, all of us here will be at CppCon this year. So we'll be glad to chat with all our users or those who can provide some feedback. We'll always open to any kind of feedback. So just come to us and show us your issues, your problems, your like ideas. We'll be happy to like to write them down. <laughs> yeah, um, you're expanding your exhibitor. We haven't really talked about that, but your exhibitor profile is going to be expanded this year, right? Instead of doing two days, we'll be doing three days, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So very excited about that. Um, I'm still working on it. We've teased it on this show before, uh, something called Tool Time, where we're going to have opportunity for uh, attendees to talk to not just tool vendors, but anybody who's an expert in some tooling area uh, and get not formal talks but instead kind of one-on-one help and that's what uh, 
we, we haven't worked out all the details on that, but um, that's on my list after getting the schedule out. <laughs> so, um, Phil, are we ready to wish everyone uh, safe coding? Yeah, safe coding. Thanks, everyone. Thanks very much. Uh, appreciate everybody coming at the time, which um, is a little different for us. So, yeah. to everyone, Thank you. safe coding. Thank you. Safe coding. Safe coding. Safe coding. Bye.